Pop 51, a conversation with Christian Nesmith. Welcome back to Pop, your pop culture podcast. I'm Ken Mills, your host here today. And today I am joined by a very cool friend from across the cosmos. Ladies and gentlemen, Christian Nesmith. Good day. Good day, Ken. How are you? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? I understand you just recently had some dental surgery. Uh, well, if I sound a little slow and weird, it's only because I've been going through a very interesting domino of, <laughs> of symptoms, all deriving by, from a uh, deep cleaning. And if any of you know what a deep cleaning is dentally, don't do it. It's terrible. <laughs> don't do it. It sounds hot, though. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, if, if you like a sonically vibrated needle stick uh, stuck a, a centimeter below your gum line on each tooth, then, yeah, that's hot. <laughs> there you go. Hey. So on this episode, we just kind of are having a conversation. We really don't know where we're going, but we're going to have fun getting there. <laughs> so you and I have been threatening to do a show where it's just you and I talking for a very long time. At, at your leisure, I've got all kinds of time today. You know, normally when you and I talk, it's because there's a reason. There's an album coming out or something happening, a tour starting, or something you're mastering or producing or whatever. Today, it's just us talking about your pop culture, okay? Okay, and uh, for those who don't know, let's let's give the people who maybe never heard of Christian Nesmith a little bit of your resume. What are your greatest hits, if you will? Like what what are things that you love to emphasize? You know, that's funny because I I look at my life very gratefully um, because I have been able to be a musician my whole life uh, and mm -hmm. keep the bill keep the lights on doing it, pay pay the bills doing it, and uh, uh, and it's not a lot of like magical, incredible things. I mean, I've had the had the uh, the blessing to go out and do five, six, seven tours now with uh, my dad, uh, slash the monkeys, uh, and uh, and I'm you know I did a did a stint with uh, Air Supply and uh, as a as a side man. Uh, I think my probably my proudest stuff is 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 the uh, twelve or so records that Cersei Link and I my uh, magical partner and now wife uh uh have have released um and we've done lots of shows w with that and done some streaming shows uh i've done you know countless amount of of uh session uh, commercials and in session work and uh and produced for other people the, the mostly locally so it's not like anything oh you did that album you wouldn't know it, but <laughs> again, I, it keeps me busy, keeps me busy, and uh, and so I get to sit, sit here and talk to you about music in general, only because it's been sort of this ongoing, steady drip, drip in my life, and I never expected it to be this way, but I'm actually kind of more grateful. You know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be Jimmy Page. Everybody wants to be a rock star when they're a kid, uh, but the fact that I can that that I get to play as much as I do, play the kind of music that I do, and still sort of have my autonomy and have my my personal space uh, is wonderful because I've seen what big stardom can do to people, and it ain't mm -hmm. cool. It it has the potential to not be cool. You never know how your life is going to turn out. 
and I'm, as I said, very grateful for how it has. And uh, but I never would have expected that I'd be where I am today if you had asked me when I was 18 years old and playing the clubs of L.A. and a little rock band. Hey, what's our uh, what's our swear word content on this? Are we are we you can we, say whatever the fuck you want? Ah, very well. OK, uh, I just want I, I don't mind being family friendly, but if it slips, I want to I want to know that I'm doing OK. <laughs> All right. You can even say uh, orange or pistachio. Okay, <laughs> now that I, I haven't said orange and pistachio in the same sentence all week, so yeah, it's it feels good to finally it, get that out. It does. Uh, I'm glad <laughs> that you've given me that opportunity. <laughs> now, you know, you talk about how your life is, uh, it was has kind of been shaped and how it came along and how you're lucky to work with like some amazing people. You and I have some people that we. Uh, have in common right and there are some amazing musicians there's some amazing people like it blows my mind that it's nothing for you to like go out to dinner with ty Tabor from king's x or something ah. like that you know what i mean because i look at i look at king's x as like a band's band you know what i mean no kidding yeah well <clears throat> it's interesting how that one worked out i had been a uh, my dad actually uh, dropped Gretchen on me, and uh, Gre- uh, which is their second album, Gretchen Ghost to Nebraska, uh, and uh, and so I was an immediate fan because first of all, uh, they had this unique approach where they played almost every song and dropped detuning. Um, Ty had the, the the craziest tone and sounded like no other. He was truly unique. Um, and they sang like birds, and it was a three-piece band, but you had these massive harmonies, and, and I just was immediately taken. And so for the next three or four records, I was, a, I was just an absolute fan, and I learned all their songs, and I was just in love with them. And during that time, I also hooked up with a, with a guy named uh, uh, Dean Cameron. Dean Cameron is an actor, and he's also a musician and a dear friend. And at that time... I uh, I actually first met him very briefly at a King's X concert during their fourth record. And then over the next two weeks, I bumped into him again two more times. And one was at a club. There were seven people in it, and he and I were two of them. And I said, okay, like, this is this is fate or something. But, you know, here you are again, so, you know, let's hang out. Um, and he was amenable, and we wound up being in a band together. Uh, it was a band that I did with uh, a few other people that was called Milk. Um, and uh, that's a whole other conversation. But if you want to sum that up, it's a, it's a, it was an all-acoustic, uh, men and women, five-part harmony vocal band that was sort of kind of a cross between, I don't know, Mamas and Papas and Manhattan Transfer. So that was really fun. And Dean was in that and played bass and sang. But Dean is also an actor and he's done done a lot. Of, if you ever seen Summer School with Mark Harmon, mm-hmm. uh, there's a uh, he plays the character Chainsaw, which is one of the one of the uh, horror movie loving uh, duo of sort of stonery type kids. And they're really into and, and he was one of those guys. And so I knew him. King's X knew him. And uh, there was one movie. Oh, God, I, it escapes me now. Um, but he, the one movie that he did that he that he really that they really liked, and they and Dean really liked their music, and uh, so they became friends because King's X has has been always been very good about doing their grips and grins after the show, the meet and greets. 
Yes. <laughs> so when King's X came through the next time, he said, let's go because I've met them and we can we can probably uh, probably at least say hi. And uh, and so we saw the show. It was for the for the uh, dog band tour. And we were backstage after the show, and I first met Jerry Gaskill, who is going through some health issues right now, and I, I'm praying for his recovery because he's because uh, he's going through some health health issues right now. Uh, and I met him, and then I talked to Ty. And this is kind of an aside, little topic. Ever want to know what what to say to a to a star when uh, when you first meet him? Don't say anything about music. Try and figure out something else to talk about. Right. Um, because, uh, you know, it's like, oh, dude, I really love your solo on that third record. <laughs> you know, it's like they hear that all the time. Um, but I knew that uh, Ty was an off-road motocrosser uh, and going full professionally. He was doing 250cc and, you know, launching his bike 30 feet into the air. And, you know, that's what he did when he wasn't, wasn't running around doing, doing King's X. And I so I brought up the fact that Nez had done uh, several seasons of, uh, of off-road in his truck and actually won the Baja 1000. And that was a great launching point. We got to talking and everything. And then he had to talk to a few more people and we, uh, and, and we shifted around and I wound up talking to Jerry again. And I, and I said, so what are you guys doing? He said, well, we actually have a day off tomorrow in town. And I, and, uh, I said, well, you want to go out for a beer? And he said, I don't see we, why not. And so within an hour, I'm having never met these guys. And the next thing I'm d doing is sitting at a table with, you know, Jerry and Ty on either side of me. And that's when, <laughs> when I went and dude, I'm the second song on the fragrance track and you use that sound. And I really love your, and that's when I, when I went into total guitar geekdom and it turns mm -hmm. out, it turns out the Ty total guitar geek and we're very much cut from the same same sort of cloth we love the same guys i mean he and i are both huge alex lifeson fans and uh and and just you know good classic rock guitar playing all the way around and so we were birds of a feather and we are friends to this day 25 or so years later um uh, he was just in town recording their new record and i got to hang with him quite a bit and it was uh it was a nice thing so that's the ty Tabor story <laughs> well, you mentioned Jerry Gaskill and his recent health problems and just an amazing drummer. And he doesn't get enough love as far as his vocal work either. I agree. I definitely agree. And uh, like I said, when I was uh, able to sort of visit them in the studio recently, uh, uh, a couple of songs that I heard was, was uh, Jerry singing lead. And they were really, really cool. Uh, and his last solo album was really, really cool, too. So uh, if anybody is uh, interested, so you should definitely check out Jerry Gaskell's uh, solo work. And Doug is a bass player, my hero, right? I mean, there's just... Phew. Yeah, I, I got to tour. Uh, I got to tour with Doug on his side project. I, I as a side man, I was playing guitar for him. Uh, <laughs> oh boy, that was that was a rough tour. I was uh, I was just barely months sober and uh in a in a in a camper van with seven guys who were all just full on partiers and that was that was rough but i held it together and uh and and we we went all over the united states and uh and doug is uh one of my favorite people in the world he's he's so crazy and wacky and opinionated and and uh and and 
and just one of the most loving guys you'll ever meet in your life. He just is just a big, big old teddy bear. Um, and yes, if you've ever stood in front of Doug Pinnock's base rig, <laughs> <laughs> holy mother, it's, uh, it's, uh, it, it's seriously, did you ever see the, the Mythbusters, uh, episode where they try to do the brown note? Yes. 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 Well, that's what it's like standing in front of Doug's base rig. You actually feel your bones start to liquefy. It's a little bit. It's a little. Well, I mean, I wouldn't go that graphic, but you, you do, you feel it in every part of your body. It's not just yeah. ears. It's not just feet. The whole thing rattles. And uh, uh, the other thing, actually, if we're talking about my accomplishments, the other thing that I that I did. This is after I had gotten to be friends with them, and we'd done a couple of things. Like my my band Milk opened for them. Very odd combo, but they we went up to San Francisco and did it. Well, great harmonies, right, in both bands. Well, yeah, yeah, and I think that's why they liked liked us because we were we were doing stuff that was was not your your typical uh, your sort of metally hard rocky thing. But I was doing a another project for a thing called Vox Lumiere, which if if you're in, uh, you know, go go track that down. That's very interesting, and it's still going. Um, Vox Lumiere, and I was doing it in Europe. And it had turned out the very last day of my obligation to Vox was the day that King's X was going to be the closest to me on their European tour. Mm-hmm. And I talked to Ty and says, man, we got an extra bunk. Come on, jump on. So I got to go and tour around uh, Europe for the next three weeks, just on sort of on their dime. Uh, but I had a uh, I had a video camera with me. And because I was a trusted friend, uh, I was uh, I was just putting my camera in their face everywhere, and I would crawl underneath them and during sound checks, and I could walk anywhere, and I uh, I wound up uh, coming away with a whole bunch of footage, and it uh, it yielded a video for a song called Smudge, which is off Mr. Bulbous, and so I just slapped it together just for fun. I synced up the live footage to the uh, to the studio recording. And I showed it to them and he said, man, this is the closest to who we really are of any video that we've ever had anybody do. I was so flattered. And they put it up, you know, they did. And I wound up doing two more videos in the exact same way, just jumping on the bus and following them around backstage and just having the camera just rolling all the time, all the time. So there was Smudge and Pray, and that's with uh, an A-Y, and, uh, and Go Tell Somebody. So go check mm-hmm. those out. I, I shot and directed those. That is awesome. Well, let's send some love out to Jerry. Mm. I want you to pick a song. What is your favorite King's X song? And we'll send it out oh, with love to Lord. the universe to Jerry. I'm asking you to pick one. I know it's tough. It's like uh, potato chips, right? You can't have just one. Well, you're, pick, a, pick one song. Well, um, God, that's, you're killing me. Um I think uh, I think it's important for people to get turned on to King's X, uh, not just to pick my favorite and so something that's a that's a good gateway to King's X. So I'll I'll narrow it down to two. You can either do Summerland off of mm. Touching the Ghost, Ghost in Nebraska or the t- title track from Dogman, uh, and uh, one of those two. Wow. Okay. Well, let's go with Summerland right now. And maybe later in the show, we'll do Dogman. How about that? 
All right. So, Jerry, we love you. This is going from us to you. Summerland, get healthy, stay healthy. We need you. And that was King's X with Summerland. And we are back with Christian Nesmith. Hi. So <laughs> now, Christian, you've done some albums of your own. You want to talk about those a little bit? Um, yeah. I, You know, my own solo stuff has always been a little strange for me because um, and I don't know if it, it, this is going to sound like false self-deprecation. Is there, wait, is that a double negative? <laughs> I always call it self-defecation, and people people always catch me like, I don't think you're saying that right, but I just ignore it. 
well, you know, just keep a it's, towel handy and you'll be good. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like a Norm Crosby thing. <laughs> I haven't said, that's another thing I haven't said all week. Norm, Norm Crosby. Crosby. Well, there you go. Yes. The thing about my solo records or why I have an issue with them is that I never liked my voice. Um, mm. I always wanted to have, you know, Dio's voice or, you know what I mean? I wanted to have that that full-on God blue bass crushing high rock and roll voice or, you know, somebody like Steve Perry or, you know, I just wanted the, the, the magic God voice and I don't have it. You know, some guys are just built that way and uh, and I'm not. See, I always look at it, it, it's it's kind of like hair, right? People that don't have curly hair want curly hair. People that have curly hair want straight hair. It's it's that kind of a thing. I suppose it is a limitation, but it's a physical limitation that you can't do anything about, you know? Right. Okay, let's play, uh, and I'll go first, but you have to play along. All right. Top five male rock and roll vocalists of all time. Mine are Robert Plant, uh, Steven Tyler... Freddie Mercury, Paul McCartney, and Robin Zander of Cheap Trick. Ooh, yeah. Now, just hear me out. You can create five or six completely different lists, and nobody would question your <laughs> question your choices, right? Here, right. let me do it again. Steve Perry, Paul Rogers, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? You could just do do so many of those lists. Um, uh and I'm not going to hold you to it, but go ahead if you want. Well, Robin Zander's up there. And if there's any problem that Robin Zander has, it's that he's so damn good and B can sound like just about anybody he wants to. Yeah. And and that, that believe it or not, I think is a problem for some people. Uh, like, for example, Paul Stanley of Kiss. Mm. There are people who love his voice. And then there's a segment of the people that just do, do not like his voice. And I don't understand that. You know what I mean? Oh, well, I am. I think he changed. And I, I know we're going to segue into our big kiss section. But uh, just very, <laughs> very, very briefly, I think that that uh, when they when they moved into disco kiss with Dynasty, he he chose this different sort of tone to his voice. And uh, and that's that's when I stopped caring, caring for it. Mm -hmm. But back to the uh, back to the singers in general, you know, the reason why McCartney and uh and uh, Xander are on my list, is that they are bulletproof singers. They mm -hmm. just, they have been gifted with that physical capability that they can just sing and sing and sing and sing as high as they want to and as long as they want to. With a, uh, As a matter of fact, King's X toured with Cheap Trick for, for a, a, a long stint, and Ty told me a story that one time Xander was just so laid out with the flu, and he still went and during the whole five or six days he was laid out. He still had three or four shows to do and went out and hit every note, all of it. Um, and I go, man, I, in my, on my best days, if I could croak something out like that with my voice, I would be just so grateful. But I'm not built that way. I just my my throat, my vocal cords, my whatever it is, my training. I just don't I can't operate my voice that way. And so when I go to do my solo albums, I have this sound in my head that I wanted that I, that I would love to be able to to put out mm -hmm. that reflects all of my my great classic rock influences of, uh, you know, Ian Gillen. There's another guy. Right. 
and listening to uh, those records, I wanted to make something that sounded like that. My other problem, though, is that if I if I can't bring myself to write, you know, baby, baby, baby lyrics, you know, I it's like I just feel like I'm so phony going hot mama, you know, whatever. And 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 Ian Gillen can stand up there and say hot mama at the top of his voice. And he's like selling it like a motherfucker. I mean, you believe that that shit is real when he says it. It's totally real. And all those guys can do it. You know, Plant can do it. David Coverdale can do that. Paul Rogers can do that and be just like, it's the most mundane, stupid lyrics. And you go, wow, (laughs) you know, Uh, and I can't do that. I just can't. I don't, I don't sell it. Um, And so, so when I make my own records, Uh, I tend to uh, look into the musical construction of it. I want to. I want to make something that sonically, both you know, guitar tone wise and chord changes wise, is interesting enough uh, that it'll that that people go, "Ooh, that's that's cool. I like it." And with that approach, I can kind of sidestep my own issues of what I wish the vocals did sound like. But also being a huge Queen fan, I, mm-hmm. I've, I've learned how to stack and layer and thicken and, and do all that stuff because I was always really enamored with the with the gigantic harmonies of Queen and how mm-hmm. just, you know, just Freddie could do so many of those walls of vocals. It's like, oh, well, I could do that. And that makes my voice sound different. So there you go. Well, as far as me picking five, it's impossible, okay. right? It's, it's like... How do you judge it, right? I mean, you take someone like Bon Scott, you know, or Chris Cornell, or yeah, or Chris, it, it, yeah, exactly. Like you, seriously, I love Paul McCartney. Can do no wrong, right? Right. But can I put him up against the gentleman that I just mentioned? Because there's something unique that Bon Scott or even Brian Johnson has, or David Lee Roth. Like you take D- David Bowie, for example, someone who I love. Oh, man. He has this amazing range, but he has these two main voices that he tries to use all the time. Well, well, well hold, 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 hold on now. There, And I don't know exactly what it was, but there's outtakes of Bowie in the studio. And he was doing a song, uh, and it was during the, uh, God, what, what, what was like the Heroes years. And they were mm-hmm. working on a song, and uh, and they're out there. These outtakes are out there. You can find them. Uh, but I can't remember what song he was doing. He was just, give me another pass at it. And he did impersonations of like five, six, seven people that you would just like, holy crap, that sounds just like it. So where Bowie was at with his vocals was, I think, a very conscious choice uh, to, to do either the high stuff that he did earlier or the, it's safe in the city, you know, the stuff that he did later, <laughs> you know. And here is David Bowie imitating many different singers, Bruce Springsteen, Bob Dylan, Tom Waits, Lou Reed, Iggy Pop, and more. You can listen to the full clip on YouTube. She ate up the sand with a horse of the south track sailing behind with fire that aims to please. When the fires broke out on the Rio Grande, left nothing standing but the smell of the land and the hot caps that burnt through the skin of your hand, left nothing at all but the sound of rock and roll. 
I'm going to give it somebody else now just because I feel like it. Keep, keep that last one. When the thighs broke out of the ground, put my foot to the board and see it as it's there. With the hearts in the side, drag to heal them behind. The fire that ends the tears. Okay, <laughs> I'm just fucking about now. When the fires broke out on the Rio Grande, put my foot to the board and she ate up the sand with the horse and the side back to the end. Fire the angel bleeds. When the fire broke out on the Rio Grande, left nothing to stand but the smell of the lamb. Somewhere between all of them. <laughs> God, I could never, no, no, couldn't even get near to him. Well, that's the thing. Is like I was kind of referencing with Xander, for example. If you want John Lennon on heroin, you got it. If you want John Lennon's most angelic voice, you've got it. If you want John Lennon's voice raspy and it's going to give. If you want my love, you got it. Right. So. Exactly. So he's he's able to deliver all these things, and yet at some point it's still Robin Xander, right? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. not just. It's not like. Oh, I'm doing karaoke tonight. He's projecting and bringing something from his utility belt, from his inspiration, and delivering it. And he can do a Bowie, he can do the Bee Gees, he can do all that stuff. He can do anything. Just amazing. Well, the stuff that I love with Xander is when he goes for the full grit, like a stiff competition off the Heaven's yep. Night record. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. good. You go, man, nobody can touch this guy. But like I said, you can, you know, your top five rock vocalists of all time, you can make five, six, seven lists with no, hey, what about, 
you know, you, then you go Dio and uh, Rob Halford and you know, let's, let's just pull all the, the great metal gods out of the out of the woodwork, too. You know, right. That's why genre picking helps, because you can go, OK, five gritty sounding singers, mm. five angelic singers, five, you know, it, that's it, it almost has to happen because I can't <laughs> I can't nail it down. It's like asking me my favorite flavor of ice cream or favorite color there's there's always oh look at that one you know what i mean <laughs> yeah well you know uh, I, I will say though that 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 a, a lot of the singers that i talk to singers that i really admire and doug pinnock being one of them mm-hmm. uh, they they all put one guy tends to come to the top of their list and that's paul rogers mm. and i don't i think that paul rogers is uh is I mean, of course, you know, free and bad company and the work that he did with Queen and yada, yada, yada. Yes, everybody knows who Paul Rogers is. But he doesn't sort of stand in that, you know, uh, I am a golden god kind of light like Plant or, you know, Daltrey or somebody does like. Um, But his, you know, if you go listen to those to, uh, you know, Fire and Water off the free uh, uh, from free or uh, or, uh, uh, you know, you know, the great body of his bad company work, the guy's incredible. Uh, and his soul, that's what it, that's what it is. Effortless soul. He just sells everything, but he's not selling cause he just means it right from the get go. So, right. And there's, there's a great level of authenticity. And by that meaning that like you, you mentioned how he doesn't try to come off as a golden rock God. Right. Like when Robert Plant was on stage, he's like, this is the pose because I'm Robert Plant. Deal with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but he knows he's a badass. That's the thing. Robert can do that. He can do that because he knows he's six foot two, gorgeous, and can sing, you know, higher than God. So, And a dove is going to come down and land on him during the concert. <laughs> totally. totally. Yeah. It's almost like a Disney princess. You're going to have little plant and animal creatures following you around as you sing your song. It's going to happen. You know, you mentioned your singing, and I'm not going to try to embarrass you, but I feel that, and I want you to take this as a compliment, I feel that the way you are with your vocals are the same way that you are with your instrumentation. I think that if you and I were starting a softball league, you would say, oh, you need a shortstop? I'll be a shortstop. Right. I, I feel that your work, and that's whether you're doing something with Robbie Rist or, or whoever, you know, Cersei and you or you touring with the Monkees or anything I've ever heard you do, including your solo albums, you give your voice to the song. Well, um, because the song is the thing, right? Uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm I have a a, a natural uh, pre preclusion. Uh, I get music <laughs> is what I and so it's easy for me to sing harmonies. Um, I understand where all those notes fit against the chords. And so uh, uh, my pitch is OK um, uh, when I'm in good shape. Uh, and so I'm a good ooh or an R, you know, you know, stick me on. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. And and so I know that that's one of my strengths and I like doing it. Um, I like being part of the background vocals because like, for instance, uh you know, when uh, Cersei and I and Coco and uh, Coco Dolans and Alex Jules, uh, who have been who've done the last couple of stints with the monkeys and are all up there singing four part together. Uh, and we hit those moments. Do you ever hear uh, hear hear uh, mamas and papas talk about Harvey? Yes. 
Yes. You know the story I'm talking about? Yes. Well, if your listeners don't know, this was uh, Harvey was something that the mamas and papas would look for, and they took it from the uh, J- Jimmy Stewart movie where he could see this six six foot invisible rabbit. Mm-hmm. And when the four singers sang together, there was a uh, a harmonic buildup, a harmonic overtone buildup, where it sounded like there was a fifth voice. And uh, and I know exactly what that what that uh, syndrome sounds like, and uh, and quite often. Cersei, Coco, Alex, and I will hit those moments on stage. And when you do, you know, lead singer, schminger, uh, that's fun to just hit a big ah, and it creates this orchestral chord that's amazing. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, that's uh, that's really cool. So that's uh, that's I li- I I appreciate that you recognize where my vocals uh, shine because that's where I put them. Well, good, and and I didn't want you to take it in any way as an insult, but what I'd like you to do right now is pick a song of yours hmm. that we can play for the folks. God, that's a hard one. Um, I don't know. I suppose you could do the title track off of uh, the, my last release, which is called The Other Side. It's kind of a hard rocker, and my there's so many different songs on my records, but that's, yeah, try that. All right, here we go. Kristen Nesmith with The Other Side.
Well, there you go. Rock and roll. Rock on, dude. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Some people may have never heard you, and that was a nice little tasty bit of Christian Nesmith for your ears there. Since this is a show about pop culture i'm gonna put you on the spot about a few things mm-hmm. top five we're gonna do some top five. Oh already. lord okay top five movies oh that's one actually i can i can do fairly easily um uh cersei and i have kind of ritual we love to you know we have our whole day we never leave the tv on during the day um uh, it's it's we don't like that that sort of chatter in the in the in our world. But in the evening, we do like to sit down, have ourselves a meal and then, and then watch something. Um, and we do that pretty much, uh, most evenings and we have a, an extensive movie collection. And so because of that, we've been able to come up with, uh, with, uh, with our, our list. Um, and I, I don't know if I can flesh out the, the, the other two, but I would say, um, that, uh, Blade Runner is not on that list. Apocalypse Now is on that list. Um, uh, the first Godfather. I love the second Godfather, but there's something just so precise about the first Godfather that is on that list. Uh, I know I've done two Coppola movies. Um, let me see. And there's so many I love uh, uh, and 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 like music for different reasons. So um, you're going to get three out of the top five of my top five movies. There you go. Well, if, if I were to hit you, pick a comedy because none of those are really laugh rats. Like Godfather's not like. It's true. It, it's true, though. They're not. Uh, and, uh, and uh, oh God, where to go to, with comedies? I mean, there's all kinds. I mean, Airplane is one of the funniest things in the world, uh, uh, as is Am- Animal House. But then, uh, but then there's some stuff. Oh, you know what goes on my list? Local Hero. Uh, ah. Uh, it's a, it is such a, an underground offbeat, quirky little movie, um, uh, with Peter Rieger and, uh, and, um, Peter Capaldi and, and Burt Lancaster and they, uh, and, and it's, uh, it's, it's a very surreal movie, um, but set in a very real place. Um, and that is something I would highly recommend to go see. And there's, it's funny. So there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, I'll put you on the spot. Are okay. you a hard day's night or a help guy? Like, are you all colorful? Or are you black and white? Like, what's your deal? I don't. I don't have a. I don't look at it that way. Uh, I've had. I've had it. Uh, I've had the opportunity uh, to see how the sausages are made um, mm-hmm. and made a couple myself. Um, and because of that, I I I feel the camera when it's when when movies are being made it's mm-hmm. it's when it's when i don't feel the camera that i start really enjoying it when i start when 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 i slip into that uh suspension of disbelief uh where you can look beyond the test technical things happening yeah yeah you know a movie oh god it's this is not a not not necessarily top five but uh, I will go from something big and, you know, I saw thir- I saw Star Wars 35 times the summer it came out when I was 13 years old, you know, or mm-hmm. 12 years old um, and still love it today. Uh, and the other side of that is a, is a movie like um, The Verdict with uh, with uh, Paul Newman, um, mm-hmm. which is a quiet, no special effects, script and acting driven uh, uh, movie, which uh, – is unequaled it's unparalleled it's uh, it's an amazing movie and so what are you trying to tell uh you know scorsese just got into a lot of trouble 
uh, recently because he said uh, that uh, that all these action movies and all these uh, these comic book movies that are coming out to get today, not necessarily really cinematic art uh, and uh, and compared them more to a roller coaster ride. Which makes perfect sense. Perfect sense. Total perfect sense. Listen, I I am, if anyone right now, if you want to see a picture of me, go over to your dictionary or your Funkin' Wagnalls and do a search for nerd who likes comic books. I'm there. That's me, right? And I've been there since the beginning and I'll probably be there till the end. Whether I like them or not at any given moment, that's, that's debatable. But I am now to a point where I am so burned out on the Marvel movies. Yeah. And it doesn't mean I don't like them or I don't love the characters. Sometimes I don't see my old friends there. Right. Uh, spoiler alert, in the comic books, it's doing just fine. I see. Oh, wow. I haven't seen the last <laughs> one. Damn it. Oops. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, I haven't seen it. I've been holding it off. Well, I know what happens to... And anyway, I just said that he's doing fine. Look, if if the if what's his nose can kill all those people all at one time in the the last movie, there's always a way to bring them back. So I know exactly. Well, that's the thing. Like you could tell who were the comic nerds and who weren't, right? Because people are like, "Oh man, Thanos just killed." Oh my god! (laughs) How and it's like you really haven't learned anything about comics i well you you know you could the fact that they killed superman they killed superman what you can't kill superman he's unkillable you know right they killed him and they didn't even kill him by locking him up with a with a chunk of kryptonite they killed him by like in a fight really you killed he got punched too hard it's 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 insane (laughs) you can't kill superman but as somebody who is a super comic nerd a, they're happening with way too much frequency. And there was something special about when a comic book movie was being made or a science fiction movie. You know, the same argument can go to what Disney's doing with Marvel, what Disney's doing with Star Wars. There was something special about this movie is coming out. It is an event. Mm-hmm. And we are now to the point where we're bored by the event, right? It's like if you're bored by the Fourth of July fireworks show, God yeah. help you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Well, the. I mean, this is a this is a large philosophical umbrella that we're talking about, um, mm-hmm. and we could we could take it all the way to back to a comment like MTV killed killed music. Right. We've we've attached. More than ever in, the, in in history, beauty as a commodity to our art, as a, a rating to what we require out of what we want to be entertained by. To the degree that the art itself has started to, not started to, has, has, has now sufficiently suffered. And I think that's kind of what Scorsese is referring to. It's not, it's not that you don't like looking at somebody beautiful, but I want to see somebody who can act. Uh, you mentioned Robbie Rist before. And, Rob was over and we were talking about uh, just the great B move, not B movie, uh, but but uh, character actors who always play the B parts in in movies that you go, oh, that guy mm-hmm. who are not, you know, who are not uh, matinee idols and they're not hot, uh, you know, 
hot to trot kind of beautiful things. They're they're just good actors who flesh out the movie and who give give the story the character that it needs. Someone like a Peter Lorre, or in more modern terms, even a Steve Buscemi. Yeah, that's a uh, Buscemi is a good good example. We were talking about like seventies actors, and I can't I can't pull them uh, pull them up right now, but there's tons of them, and and you'll see them all over like episodes of a Quinn Martin production, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, or Starsky and Hutch, or the original those those kinds of actors, and then show they show up in movies, and you go, yeah, mm-hmm. that guy. And that's what we miss. What what they're trying to do now is that, you know, nobody in real life in these movies are that completely beautiful. I mean, not every single person in every single role in every single B part has got to be model material. And that's ridiculous. Right. It's unrealistic. It does not work that way. Uh, but because that's that's a goal that the producers always try to hit they sacrifice some of the better artists and actors out there that really should be given the light of day. Well, it also affects the marquee actors and actresses, right? Like, for example, we're talking about the Marvel movies for this uh, hot minute, right? I kind of have a hard time telling three or four of them apart. I don't know the name of a single modern actor. I really right. don't. I mean, you talk about Robert Downey Jr., but he's been around for, you know, for forever, 35, 40 years now. So whatever right. it is. Yeah. He's been around as long as we have. He's right. not new, no matter how turned on to him right now people are. He's been he's been around forever now. And it's amazing yeah. his whole the arc of his career. Right. But except for like Johansson, I don't know the names of anybody in those movies. You could literally swap the guy who plays Thor out from the guy who plays Captain America. And I wouldn't. Exactly. And I can't tell you the name of either of those actors. I know their faces. I can see them in my head, but I don't know their name. Don't. And they're both great, but there's nothing that really says this is a standout person. Like there are certain people that are in those movies that just, again, like Robert Downing Jr., the guy who plays Thor, um, Loki, the guy who plays Loki. You know yeah, what what's I'm that? Um, Middleton? No, no. Uh, what's Tom, Tom, Tom Hiddleston? That guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's great, but you know he's also a little slimy because he's playing a slimy character. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. So so that makes him stand out a little bit more. But for the most part, when everybody gets so perfect and beautiful, they all look like Ken dolls. Yeah, and that's the problem. You know, is everybody looks like a like like they came out of a out of a, a catalog, um, and they're all perfect, and they're you know, and nobody. That's not what real life looks like. And you start. <clears throat> It has an effect on society, I believe. Uh, one, that uh, people start to believe that that's what they should look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and, and two, uh, that's, what they, uh, you know, that's what they expect to see in all as- aspects of life. Uh, right. And I'm not saying that this guy is beautiful, but I'm saying that, that he is a he is a, a – sort of a cultural, a, a product of, of, of the, that cultural shallowness, and that's our president, you know? Mm, Agreed, uh, yeah. You know, he's a, he's, uh, we're experiencing a psychosis in this country right now, um, and uh, it, it saddens me so much to see 
that this is what we become. And it doesn't it doesn't necessarily re- revolve around him uh, being a Republican. Uh, but um, but that's their defense. It's like you don't like him because he's because he's got an R in front of his name. And I said, no, no, I, I wouldn't care about that. I mean, if he's a decent guy, I wouldn't necessarily like the way he's spending my tax dollars. But I wouldn't I wouldn't care about that, that he's a Republican. What I care about is that he's a slime ball. You know what I mean? Um, and 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 you've put him up there in in this position of power just because you think he's rich and cool. Not because you think that he's a good politician or that he's loving or honorable or has integrity or uh, honest, uh, you know, and 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 that's where that's where it all breaks down. And the only defense that that people can muster uh, is is that uh, it's 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 my team versus your team, which is sad because this thing that we call politics should not be something that's broken down to my side versus your side or our colors versus your colors. This is not something that we do for fun around the Super Bowl time. This is our real lives. Well, I mean, I've said I've said for a long time that this that I completely get the uh concept of low taxes, small and local government and a large military. I get that. I understand. I get that too. But here's the weird thing is like I – for the the most part of my life, I was a conservative Republican. Really? I didn't know. Yeah, and and, because of those very same things that you're talking about, Mm -hmm. I thought we shouldn't be wasting money. You know, I was what they call a pants down Republican, I think, where uh, meaning that (laughs) doesn't mean anything about a a bathroom stall or anything. I'm talking about where it's like, look, I'm for lower taxes. I think we should have a military. But what you do in your bedroom is up to you. I see. I I I don't have any, you know, so in a sense, you know, someone can be a, when it comes to fiscal being conservative, when it comes to being private life or religion, you can be more liberal, meaning that whatever religion you want to do, go light whatever candle you want. You know what I mean? If you and three people want to have fun and you're all of legal age. (laughs) Well, no, the goat has to sign a consent for it. Okay, no Uh, (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, yeah. you know, we were talking about the Marvel things, and I'm going to tie this in all together. I don't think that Scorsese is saying anything different than like, hey, maybe lay off the junk food a little bit sometimes. Yeah. Come up for like an actual vegetable. Eat we, some fruit. Get a balanced diet. Yeah, yeah. We've experienced a dumbing down in our country. I forget what this is, uh, the the, uh, the actual name of it. It's a, it's a, it's a doctor. It's a syndrome. It's called right. the Dunning-Kruger effect. Yes. And, uh, and it goes to people who there's a dumbing down in, this Ameri- in our country and, and in the world in general. But uh, in the, we've, we've embraced it uh, as, as a country much more than others. And, uh, but the problem is, is that if you, if you say, hey, man, raise your game to somebody, they don't think that their game's not up. And that's right. the problem. That's the problem. This is like, and of course, the only way to demonstrate that to somebody is you have to point out, well, you know, do you know the difference between your and your and and there, there, and there, and just stupid little things like that. It's like, can you name somebody? Was I just saw saw a, saw a quick poll that only thirty nine percent of the country can actually name the three branches of government? Huh? That's sad. 
Yeah, and this is the kind of thing I'm talking about. They don't care. They'd rather watch Duck Dynasty and just, you know, zone out. Or whatever, Walking Dead and be a zombie, right? Zone out, yeah. But the the one thing that kind of bothers me, and there were times that I purposely wanted to avoid political music, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you think about... Uh, like, for example, Bono, we'll use him okay. as an example. Sure. There were times it'd be like, oh, what's he going on about? You know what I mean? But then you take a look and, you know, you go to someone like Pete Seeger mm. and even our beloved Peter Tork, right? You know, there used to be people that would put their art on the line. And I'm not seeing that in our modern times right now. And whether you are for this president or this congressperson or however you're political. Or this artist. Or yes, this artist. or this artist. But, yeah. but how, whatever, you, whatever you're into, we used to have this thing where the arts spoke about what was going on around us. And just like we, we do need the Marvel movies, we do need Star Wars films, we do need Star Trek, we do uh, need every we, silly little thing. We need thing. amusement parks. They're cool. They're absolutely yeah. cool. But I don't want to live my entire life on an amusement park, especially when it comes time to make important decisions. Yeah. So where are the artists, and I'm not talking about painters, I'm talking about musical acts specifically, in our culture right now, where are the bands like even right now we can look back at Green Day, right? Mm -hmm. And their album American Idiot. Right. Whether it was a great commentary or not, it was still commentary. Yeah. It that seems to be suspiciously absent in two thousand nineteen for the last two or three years. And it's it's not and I'm not saying that because I'm for or against the current administration. I'm saying it as someone who wonders what happened to the artist. Well, I think you're saying, you know, the, uh, the you keep coming back to the current administration and it, it's not about the politics. It's it's a it the current administration is unfortunately a template for behavior in this country. Mm -hmm. Right. And you know, it's like the guy who cuts you off and then flips you off, mm -hmm. right? When you get mad, it's like you yeah, because how dare you get upset that he that was cutting I, that you I off? That I was that I was just an asshole. <laughs> right. It's like what? I don't get that. Um, and and you know, there's a like I said earlier, this is a very very large philosophical umbre umbrella. Um, uh, you know, if it's to, if it's today, Bob Dylan doesn't get signed. If it's today, mm. uh, Janis Joplin doesn't get signed, uh, and that's based on straight beauty, and that's based on uh, on the way they sound because they they're not cookie cutter. Where this transitions to, and as you say, where are the artists? They're drowned out because the other sort of crazy cultural phenomenon that has been uh, facilitated by technology is that we all have now a recording studio and a movie studio on our hip. Mm -hmm. You know, we're all, I mean, this, this magical little device called the modern phone all have movie quality and recording quality capabilities to the degree that Everybody is now now thinks that they're an artist. You know, you can you can fire up GarageBand, uh, which is a which is a, for people who may not know is is a, a 
is a recording program in Mac computers. I don't know if you're uh, who's actually your your audience is probably going to remember this more. Um, is uh, do you remember Garanimals? Yes. All right. Well, for those who don't know, Garanimals was put out either by what J.C. or Kmart or one of those, and it was these tags on kids' clothes, and they were designed for the mother who didn't have time to go and like put together outfits. And so if you walk down the down the clothes rack and you put together all the tags that had the blue tiger on it, that you would not dress your <laughs> dress your kids like an idiot and send them off to school the next year, uh, uh, you know, had the green giraffe. And so you can mix the green and put the green giraffes together and the blue tigers together. And you were putting together an outfit. You were putting together a look. Yeah. And uh, garage band is the Garanimals of music making. <laughs> it really is. Because the thing is, is that it's set up that you have this whole bank of samples that are all recorded in the same tempo, in the same key, and in sort of the same style. And so that if, you, if you pull in all the ones that say, uh, I don't know, uh, modern country, and, and you pull in, you know, Everything in G major in modern country, and you pull in a bass part, and you pull in a guitar part, and you pull in a drum part, and then you put a little pedal steel over it, and you stretch those out over the course of 16 bars. Hey, look, I've got a modern country verse section, and nobody has to think about what the chord changes are, what the what the actual instrumentation is, what it took to actually play those things. They, it's, it's mindless and brainless, and so uh, people have stopped – pursuing the craft that is music making, the craft that is assembling a set of chord changes and a melody together that will actually move your audience. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. nobody, you know, nobody does that anymore. You know, it's strange because currently there are commercials running as of we are recording this. There's a movie Ford versus Ferrari that's coming out. Starting saw this, I saw the ad. Yeah. And it was kind of odd because they were playing a song by Greta Van Fleet. Who everybody says sounds like Led Zeppelin. They do not sound like Led Zeppelin. Well, well every once in a while they can hit it. You know, eh, you can go no, like, oh, okay. Eh, nah, not for me. I'm, yeah, but uh, see, there's a difference. See, you're, you're looking at this as a piece of art. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean a painting. And some guy's standing right beside him painting the same picture. Or even just as picture, a craftsman. Right? You can not right. necessarily, you know, right. I, I don't, I'm not even talking about art. I'm talking about what it takes to do that craft, you know, to build a cabinet right. like that. You know, it may look like like it's some sort of, you know, 18th century Chinese beautiful cabinet. It's from Ikea, dude. Sorry. Right. But see, here's the thing. I actually like Greta Van Fleet for what they are. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I like them for Led Zeppelin. But the odd thing is about this being used in this uh, advertisement for this movie that's coming out. Right. Is that it's, I really think that it's aimed at people like yours of my age. Not We're not necessarily Greta Van Fleet fans, right? right? Right. But we'll hear that riff and they'll go, fuck, is that a Zeppelin song? Yeah. Yeah, we're looking for classic rock sound. Exactly. And they can get it cheaper than they can, you know, Heartbreaker. Mm -hmm. Sure. In a sense, we're getting the cubic zirconia of Led Zeppelin, which is not to cut down Greta Van Fleet. I'm glad that there's a rock band out there. I'm glad for every new rock band that's out there doing it. 
but I just found it from a marketing standpoint. It seemed like they clearly wanted to tell a story and to get a certain ears to perk up, to pay attention to the ad. It just seemed weird that you would go and get the Xerox copy as opposed to getting the painting. Right. And that, again, not making any judgments of Greta Van Fleet and their intentions. And here is Greta Van Fleet with Highway Tune. You decide. I want to turn this uh, interview a little a, a little bit back on a different course because it's kind right. of turned into a bitch fest and I don't want to be that <laughs> you know I don't want to do that because I'm I'm I I'm a positive person I'm a I'm a I am too 
I, I believe in hope and I believe in, in opportunity and I believe in all those kind of things that you're, that you're supposed to believe in. And mm-hmm. so here's a little course correction for this conversation. And that is that I teach kids how to play music. Okay. That's one of the things that I get to do. Um, mm-hmm. and it's an ongoing thing that I do. I work at a, a at a, at a charter school, uh, a couple of days a week and, and, and I play all day with these, you know, from, from about eight to 16 year olds. Uh, and I have to tell you that this crop of kids is blowing my mind. Last season, my, my, my kids did roundabout and they killed it. I mean, it's not just, oh, that's pretty good for a 13-year-old. No, they actually played roundabout, and they played it right. Um, and each uh, each season, I bring, uh, I, I allow the kids to choose the songs themselves. Mm-hmm. I uh, curate the list because I want to make sure that they're playing uh, songs that teach them what to play and teach them uh, techniques and and things that will that will further their uh, right. their ability as a player. Like I love wild thing, but it's not that's, necessarily. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's going to be for the beginners class. Yeah, right? once you've learned wild thing, you don't need to learn it for the next three years. But I got I got this kid Ernie. He's uh, he's like, um, it's actually now that I think of it, he looks a little bit like cousin Oliver. It's kind of funny, um, <laughs> but he's uh, he's a bass player. He's eleven years old. He's got the big specs and the blonde hair and stuff. And uh, and he came in. And his suggestions to put into the box of what we were going to play this year was a small faces tune and an Iggy pop tune. I'm like, where are you from, dude? That is so cool. Uh, I mean, the songs weren't necessarily uh, the kind of songs that we were wanting to, uh, they, they, they didn't teach much but the fact that he's looking to these artists and he's listening to steve marriott going just you know singing his brains out it's like that is too bitching dude um and the and these are my kids today and these and and even though yes they've got their nose in their phones a lot they're a lot more culturally aware uh than uh than one might think right and and i get to see them uh and it was interesting. I had a I had a parent teacher conference, and one of the topics that came up was that I get to see in my students something that most teachers don't get to see, uh, which is immediate results. If you're teaching uh, reading, writing, you don't know how that's gonna, or or math, you don't know how that's going to show up in them as an adult. Uh, right. But I I can see the proof in the pudding right then and there if they're playing well or not, and it was very heartening to me. Um, but uh, what I see in most of these kids is uh, is a love uh, of of each other, an acceptance of each other, a far greater tolerance of different ways of thinking and different ways of looking and different ways of talking and different pl- uh, places of origin. And you know, my class is multi aged and multicolored, and you know whether they 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 might even be too young to know it themselves, but I'm going to guess that they are. Uh, Definitely, uh, uh, what do you call it? Gender fluid, uh, whatever the term is now. That the, you know, there there's some of that going on in there, uh, and uh, and and it's just it's really really encouraging to see. And the other thing that they that 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 seems to be, I haven't found one kid that thinks differently, uh, is that they do recognize this current crop of thinking uh, that is embodied by our our 
current administration to be anathema. They, they find it abhorrent. Um, and, uh, that is really encouraging to me. So, you know, I keep telling them, man, you're, are, you are our future. So, uh, <laughs> keep thinking like that because when I'm 80, you're going to be running the country. So please, please keep your head on straight. Cause uh, take good care of us. We yeah, need it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It is beautiful. It seems like no matter what, since I've been, uh, you know, since I've come into this world, it's, it's always been by the generation's as 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 we age oh these kids are eating tide pods and all just whatever <laughs> weird thing that is going on at the minute right but the fact of the matter is is that there are now more than ever so many ways to learn so many ways to grow so many ways to achieve and you know whether that's in music art or whatever we 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 are at an amazing time and this is it, it. It really is that pendulum, right? Um, you know, there, there's the what's the book? I'm uh, everything I need to know in life. I learned in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's the exact title, but that's that's right. close enough. Um, and uh, and what I find uh, we're making a cultural obs- observation is that those kinds of lessons that we that we try to teach our kids and that we that that we're aware of that we learned when we were kids those things of honesty and integrity and charity and compassion and empathy they have been thrown over by the by uh most of our you know 30 to 50 year olds these days by the notion of winning and that's what's really crazy about it you know i said i said earlier that that uh to the answer of where you, where are our current crop of artists? And my, my, uh, I said that they were drowned out and it's because everybody thinks that they can be a millionaire and everybody thinks that they can be a rock star and everybody thinks, uh, you know, it's like the, some of those crazily, crazily dressed people in Walmart, right? That you go and he's like, Oh, you wore that out in public. Are you crazy? I don't think there's any reason to judge me like that, Chris. Ah, well, you know, but <laughs> but they don't. They think they look good, and nobody's around to tell tell them that they don't. Man, oh, sorry. That's a and Nez even talks about that syndrome uh, a little bit. It's uh, it's the uh, uh, PLV, personal Las Vegas. He talks about it in the America Gene, um, and, and and it's it's nobody nobody would tell Elvis to stop wearing the the the, the, the jumpsuits and doing karate moves on stage. Nobody would tell him because, you know, he's Elvis. And how do you say to Elvis, dude, that, that I'm sorry, man, you got to like lay off the, lay off those peanut butter sandwiches and the karate moves. Not so much. You should start singing again. <laughs> Nobody can tell him. And so, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that this new crop of kids will take the notion of integrity, the notion of honesty, the notion of charity uh, into their adulthood lives, because that's the change that we need. It's not I'm right and I'm win. And if and, and if I don't win, the world's going to come crashing down around us. I guess that's what I'm trying to get at, is that in order for this to change, these some of these people that we're talking about are going to have to face their own belief system and look it right in the eye and go, that really didn't hold water, does it? Yeah, but that's a terrifying thing that you're asking people to do. And that's the scariest thing in the world. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I don't care whether you want to make it about music or your football team or whatever. Once you establish, and I hate this word, a narrative, once you establish a way of thinking, if you change one of those things, it's, it's like that game where if you pulled one stick, everything fell, right? Right. And that's a lot for people to deal with. I'm 19 years sober. And in order for me to get sober, and the reason why I am sober is because before I was sober, I was very much not. Mm -hmm. um, and it, and, and drug consumption was uh, an absolute built-in part of my life, a part of my daily goals. I got to get high, man. Let's, let's, you know, it's, and in order for me to undo that, uh, because what you, what, what goes along with chasing get, getting high, it's not that getting high is necessarily all that bad. I mean, you know, uh, it, what it is, it's the fallout around it. It's the, my house is a pigsty. I don't have, don't have any money. Nobody will hang out with me. My health is failing. Um, and, uh, and, and that's the stuff that makes you go, uh, well, maybe I should change things. Um, but in order to change things, I had to do personal examination, uh, and and found out that the these things that I was chasing, these goals that I were chasing, and it was not 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 the drug use per se, but what I thought of life and what I thought of myself and what I thought was important, uh, was not. Well, I don't want to get really weird here, but uh, as you know, I've been on a physical and mental journey. I do know that. Yes, losing weight. Yeah, and uh, keto is part of that success story. But the other part of it is uh, whether you look at it through Zen or faith or anything that happened to you in life. Like today, I was thinking about how much looking forward to things helped keep me unhealthy. Now that might sound strange because there's the kind of, I'm looking forward to something yeah. and it gives me hope. I know. But where then you're there's going. the kind of yeah. thing where you're like comparing and despairing and I haven't achieved that thing. So I'm going to stay in this pain. Right. Yeah. And that's a scary thing to have to face because until you can live right this second, yeah. you're either always going to be living in the past back there or you're always going to be living in a future that can't ever happen because you're not taking it one step at a time. Yeah, which is a very, you know, uh, that's a very sort of programmy thing to say, but it's there's a reason why uh those those kind of 12-step methodical sets of uh, of operations undo this this crazy behavior that that we build up in our lives for so many years. So I know that 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 your journey is so similar to mine, um, and it's not a it's it it's you know, it's there are there are those kinds of programs and there's those kinds of ways of thinking that are for pretty much any sort of unhealthy habitual behavior that we we start uh, start doing to ourselves. Well, in this in the sense that you were probably numbing yourself with a substance, I was numbing myself with food, right? Which is all, so much harder because we all have to eat. <laughs> That's right. Crazy. Like my like my uncle who went through a bunch of stuff, he would say that because uh, he was fighting overcoming a couple addictions, like he was on he was doing cocaine at one point, and then he also did uh, like an OA, you know, like Overeaters Anonymous, mm -hmm. right? Mm-hmm. 
And he said that there were two times that TV really bothered him and he would work the second shift and he'd come home and these two commercials would drive him crazy. He would be doing fine, completely great, sober day. One commercial would be Dairy Queen. Uh. Go down the rivers of chocolate. And you'd literally (laughs) see rivers of chocolate and a boat made out of a banana split. And it's like, you know you want this. You know, and then then the the next commercial would be like, So you do cocaine Mm. so that you can buy more cocaine. Mm -hmm. So that you can do more cocaine. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I'm completely sober. I'm happy. I'm healthy. I'm having a sandwich. And the next thing you know, cocaine's in my head. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, you know, there, there's another side of that. I have my own personal story about that is that, uh, you know, cocaine and heroin were the things that brought me down right at the end and and particularly heroin. And and the last month of my non sobriety, the very last 30 days, um, I just uh, I was sleeping on the couch because I didn't want to be away from my only friend, which was the TV. Right. Mm -hmm. And the TV was on the whole time. But the crazy thing about it is that every single show and every single commercial said, you're a drug addict. You know what I mean? It's like uh, it it, it was those messages were completely there. And uh, and and you're right that uh, that, you know, we use it as a form of escapism. Um, We all want to check out. Mm -hmm. You know, we all want to we everybody wants to take some time i have somebody very close to me who's very publicly kind of checking out right now um and uh and i gotta let them sort of do that um but uh, my uh it's funny that even though i have i've made these certain efforts in my life to be to be sober oh god what is the name of this movie um it's a movie with uh Philip Seymour Hoffman and De Niro and hoffman is a drag queen um and he and he performs uh physical therapy on uh, De Niro's voice after he has a, an accident. Do you, oh, God, what is this movie? Uh, Flawless is the name of that movie Flawless from 1999. Is, yes, yes, yes. It's a good movie. Anyway, in this movie, the reason that, that, that there was this accident that befell De Niro was there was a, a drug deal that went awry in the, in the apartment next door. And there was a scene in this movie where these two young kids were sitting there just smoking that crack, boy. They were getting into it, and they were all gray and pasty, and there's those, those walls were dingy, and there's a, and they were just, and there was a full-on sh- uh, shot of them uh, just using dope. And I looked at that, and I went, man, that looks good. <laughs> in the middle of my sobriety, I was like, that, I checking out. Sure, I'm in. And I still think those thoughts to this day. Um, but it's what we it's the tools that we that we gain when we look when I can see that objectively, when I can look at myself and go, yeah, you, you do think that you do think that looks good, huh? Yes, yes, I do. Yes, I do. But you're not going to do that because, you know, you have your life and Cersei and, you know, you, you drive in. Yeah, no, I'm not. But it looks good. Yeah, I know. It looks good. And so that that's what happens to me. <laughs> there you go. So whether it was me numbing myself just so that I literally could live to stay miserable, which was like the weird realization that I had to find. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And every once in a while, it's like a new plate gets smashed. You know what I mean? Or a new wall gets knocked down. It's, and then you, you have to deal with that 
that that that real truth that you're opening up to, right? Right. And it just blows my mind because I, you know, when we were talking about how, like, whether it's pop culture, whether it's movies, or whether it's albums, it's okay to have the the silly, the roller and the absurd, and yeah. the fun. But you also need to do something that's real and truthful. So I guess that whatever it is we're looking for, there's times I want to turn my brain off and just watch two yeah. guys fight with flashlight swords, you know, Star Wars, right, <laughs> yeah, or something like that. Yeah, totally. Or Vulcans and, you know, Klingons or whatever. Whatever it is, whatever you're into, enjoy it. Harry Potter, have fun. But every once in a while, you got to do something that's real. And whatever that is to you, you need to find, right? Yeah. Very true. And now here's one of my favorite songs from up north. It's Kim Mitchell with Ain't Life Amazing.
Well, I want to ask you a question. Um, yeah, because I, I it, it is something that I don't necessarily have uh, understand because that's that was never food was never a drug for me. I really enjoy it, but I was never uh, uh, compulsive about eating. Um, but uh, let me set up a scenario and maybe you can draw the analogy uh, and hopefully that somebody who's going through what you go, uh, are going through can go, oh, that, that's what I see. Um, and uh, I have a very clear uh, memory uh, in my teens that I went out and I got high um, and came home late. Uh, and my dad, uh, who I was living with at the time, uh, scolded me, yelled at me for being late. Uh, as parents will do, where have you been? And I didn't care. And I made that connection. It's like, I'm high. He's yelling at me. And because I'm high, I don't give a shit. Right. Right. And it was an absolute two plus two equals four, uh, moment for me. And, and, and so I recognized that comfort. I recognized what, what that was now. The other thing, so what I immediately associated with, uh, associated drug use with was the pacification of things I didn't dig. Um, and so uh, the problem was, is that that becomes very cyclical, very quick because you do something, you do drugs and then you don't show up for the appointment uh, mm-hmm. because you're hung over and then you're embarrassed or ashamed or whatever about not showing up for the import, the appointment. So you do drugs to make that feeling go away. And of right. course then, and then, then, you know, you forget to pay the bill and then you're embarrassed about that and then, or you feel bad. And that's where that cyclical thing comes from. Uh, it's very obvious. Um, but I was wondering if, if there was any sort of behavior or, or, or two plus two moment for you that, uh, uh, that you equate with that sort of same, uh, scenario with eating. Mm. Well, yeah. You ready for the next five hours? No. Uh, oh, yeah, kidding, yeah, yeah, kidding, right. kidding. But I thought that me being overweight was about food. And it's not. My grandmother came up through the depression. And somehow she could look in a cupboard and there might be two or three things and she could somehow make a meal out of that. Mm-hmm. Food was based on love. Mm. And by that, I mean, if you didn't have anything and you made sure that your kids were taken care of, you were giving them love. So in the house I grew up with and my grandmother was uh, she was uh, she was our queen. And I don't mean that as she was royalty, but she was she was really the beginning and the end of our family. Right. So uh, she's where it all started. The Alpha Omega kind of thing, you know. So uh, but for her, she grew up in a time where food was not plenty and you had to make something out of any small thing, whether that that applied to clothing, the house, you know, you may not have the best house but you took care of it, right? right? So everything was based on love. And uh, I think back to when I was a child, uh, whether, and this memory has really been stuck in my head as we're looking towards Christmas, is making Christmas cookies. My grandmother would make these sugar cookies and she would teach me how to f- frost them. And I think it's one of the reasons I became an artist, right? So that maybe decorating the cookies may have been part of that along with drawing uh, Gil Kane, Spider-Man, or, you know, sure. <laughs> whatever the thing sure. was. So, but food 
equals love. And when you came to my grandmother's house, if it didn't matter what was going on in your life, come on in, I'll get you something to eat. That was the first thing she did. And she often would send a little baggie home with you, right? So I would, as I go on through life and I'm becoming an adult and trying to figure things out and you lose certain things in certain situations and relationships and food became a drug to me in the sense that I was looking for that feeling of Christmas cookies with my grandmother over a hot stove on a winter day Mm -hmm. over not having anything. And here's this food. And the weird thing is, is that as we've come through this 20th century, you know, everything's packaged, made in China, right? Instead of like, here's this handcrafted thing, here's this thing that you can buy 10,000 of them down at the store. You know, nothing special. They're animals for food. Yeah, we're back to that again. So a lot of the food that we're eating is literally poison Mm -hmm. and set up to make us sick so they can sell us the drug later. You see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So I would take, and I would take this disappointment that I have. Well, this box of cookies will make me feel good. This bit of ice cream will make me feel good temporarily. Right. And then after the sugar goes, the crash comes, which is more depression, which makes you want to eat more. There so it's kind of it's kind of the same cycle as yeah, you get yeah. high so you can get high so you can get high again right. and again and again. Absolutely. So the thing is, is that I wasn't wanting food. I wasn't wanting... Uh, I didn't want to become heavier, obviously. I didn't want to become unhealthy, obviously. But I wanted that feeling of what food meant. Did you ever uh, eat at your remorse, though? I yes. Mean, like, like, yes. Like I just ate a, I ate a whole thing of Oreos, and I'm so angry at myself that I just ate a whole thing of Oreos that I'm going to have to go down eat all the Doritos in the house, too. Well, yeah, it's kind of like... I try to tell people, like, again, when we were coming up, I can tell, I can take you back to the early 60s when there would be wrestling or fighting on a Friday night or roller derby or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the neighbors would come by and we, it would be a communal neighborhood thing. You'd all come over and somebody would bring hot dogs and some person would bring chips and some guy would have soda. Well, at, we used to have Dixie cups for soda. Right. In the 70s, Hey, you can get this two liter for just a a smile, you know? So it was like, so you've got kids running around chugging two liters (laughs) of sugar, right? Oh yeah. So it went from like a Dixie cup and we're all together and the, it feels good. Like I remember uh, going in and it's bath time and I'd get my hair combed, put my Batman pajamas on. We'd watch TV and have some potato chips and a, a, a thimble or a little Dixie cup of a soda maybe. Oh, man. Well, now you've got kids that think nothing of carrying a 20-ounce around like it's a bottle, right? Yeah. What I was trying to get was that feeling of joy and good and stuff. So the thing is, is that if you... I was literally eating to the pain. Yeah. Eating at the pain. No, to the pain. Like in the, the movie princess bride where they said a duel to the death and he says no 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 a duel to the pain yes yes you're going to feel this for the rest of your life i want you to live and suffer and that's what an overeater is doing somebody was talking to me about going to chinese the other day 
uh, getting some Chinese food. Mm-hmm. And they go, oh, man, I love going there. And I, when I go, I, I eat till I can't walk. Look at me, dude. I did that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it literally, it, it like hit me like someone took a wet mop and smacked me with it right sure. in the face. Yeah. Because I'm like, that does not even sound good anymore. Oh, man. But that used to be my my second wife and I. We would go buy DVDs and we would check out. <laughs> yeah, instead of uh, going to the movie one time, we would buy three movies and we'd go eat Chinese and come home on a Saturday and lapse into a coma. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that you have the the benefit of experience of actually eating till you can't walk. You know, literally, you, literally, literally. Yes, I know. I'm so, that's why I say it that way is that it has affected you literally. So it's like, dude, that that phrase, you can't even know how that phrase gets under my skin. I mean, I understand you're saying it colloquially, colloquially, but uh, eat till you can't walk. You know, screw you, dude. <laughs> well, that's like saying I'm going to kill myself till I die. Right. That That is what that is. Yeah, because food is supposed to be programming. Just like drugs are supposed to be programming. Mm. Uh, whatever you put into your body is to make it run better. Just like a car engine or a computer. Whatever you program your computer to do yeah. is what it's going to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Whatever program you put on it. And all I was doing was, it's like I mentioned earlier about you would have a bowl of chips, right? Man, kids don't even mess with a bowl anymore. It's arm, all up to the arm. And when you get to the bottom, oh, I guess I ate the whole bag. When you wake up and realize you've eaten an entire rack of, you know, like you do this rationalization, which whether you're a drinker or a food addict or whatever, yeah, you, you say, okay, I'm going to have up to the fifth cookie, I'll eat that. And then, oh, well, hell, I might as well go up to the eighth. And then you realize you've eaten an entire row. So then what's to stop you from the second and third? Do you see what I'm saying? I do. Absolutely. You're like I said, you're talking a full on addict and, and our, our, our chosen behavior of whatever appeased us and also talked to that regret, um, uh, was our own, you know, drugs worked for me, food worked for you, gambling works for others, sex works for others. Uh, but it doesn't really Sex always works. <laughs> yeah, sex, but, but the thing is, is that, uh, but that that it's uh, people will do that to the point of excess and to the point of damaging, of causing fallout, of causing wreckage. Their lives, yeah, destroying something. Kind of going back to eating to the pain. That's right. right. That's right. And I, I mean, I think about you know what my mind goes to the quantities of food you must have consumed that 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 would actually do to your body what it did. Um, and it's just mind blowing to me. But then again, you know, you talk to a junkie and you go, what's a, like I was had a $200 a day habit. Well, first of all, where the hell did you find that money? Uh, and second of all, where, I mean, how the hell did your body survive? And it's, it's, it just the sheer act of it sometimes blows me away of what, what we do to ourselves and whether it's, whether it's the food or whether it's the drugs or whether it's sitting out and and saying, you know what? Duck dynasty. I just need to watch that all day. You know, <laughs> I think that that's a, an equitable comparison myself. 
Well, when you think about it, look at what we're calling watching television now, binging. Yep, yep, yep. It is set up, the, the whole entire entertainment industry is set up to get you to consume and pay for channels you will never watch, to purchase items you will never take out of a box. Yeah. To, to never really enjoy anything. You can look, but you can't touch. Mm-hmm. Cersei made an interesting observation that is that that our social behavior has been sort of reversed. We used to eat in and go out for entertainment. Mm-hmm. Now we go out and we pick up our food and come back home for our entertainment. Yeah, and uh, and I'm I I you know I got to give it to Cersei. She has totally changed my life. First of all, I'm fully grateful to her for actually. Uh, uh, she does all the cooking and, uh, and I, you know, uh, it's, she likes to do it. And so I'm, I'm not like slave, get in that kitchen. That woman can bake some great bread. She can make some excellent bread. Oh man. Oh man. But the thing is also for her being, because she's a vegetarian, uh, and occasional fish that, uh, that because she does all the cooking, that's kind of what my, my, uh, my, diet is like now right i love me some beef man i love it Mm -hmm. but she got me i I, you know i was drinking three four coca-colas a day you know it's like what are you doing to your body dude and and she got me to stop doing that and i look in our cupboard and there is no prepackaged ready to eat meal we don't have meals in our refrigerator or our cupboard we have ingredients ingredients yes yes and that's something that i've found and it's changed my life you know and here's the thing is that i didn't realize how miserable i was making myself yeah at all yeah and i thought i was being happy uh, going back to the, I'm going to stuff myself on a Saturday afternoon eating Chinese food with two or three people, and we're all just having fun. And this was a recreational thing. It wasn't going biking in the park. It wasn't starting a band. It wasn't let's go paint someone's house or do. It was let's, let's eat till we can't walk. <laughs> it's gluttony, gluttony, yeah. right? It's and glut- it, yeah. But see, we feel that we deserve gluttony in our culture. Yeah. Yeah, Again, that's, we that, call that, it binging, we call it collecting, we call it, you know, whether it's any of these things, and some people may say we're overanalyzing it, but it, take a look at what's happening, right? You'll know them by their fruits. See what apples you're picking off that mm-hmm. tree, right? So, Well, that's a, that's, that, there's, there's a good comparison back to the top, back to the administration. The kind of guy that he is, is all this glitz and phoniness and veneer and 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 absolute substanceless crap but you know you look at his apartment and it's purple and gold I'm like dude really go you know uh, uh there it is a, he's such a perfect icon for the for the uh for our times for our times and for our for our current behavior i i i i just pray that there's a way that we can break some of that i'm i'm so you know i'm very vocal about about as a lot of you probably know i'm uh i'm very vocal about my opinions on this current administration the way politics are run uh and uh and because of that i i post a lot and 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 i'm actually really grateful because i've seen uh several uh several professed republicans and i keep saying this is not about republican but 
since they since sort of it's a it's a us versus them and that is the divide it's encouraging to me that i that i see republicans saying i, I ain't voting for this guy that's crazy look what i mean and and so there's an, when you have someone like george will i don't know that He's a conservative. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And when when he says, I used to be a Republican, but I'm not this. Yeah. And first off, I didn't believe that President Trump would be our president. Yeah. Nor did I. And to tie it into pop culture, I mean, the guy's a reality TV star. Yeah. You know, just I'm sure people didn't think uh, a peanut farmer could have been a president or uh, a guy well, he, who was a Hollywood movie actor. To be fair, be he was also the or, governor, you know, so I mean. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying that, like, sometimes where we start out is not always indicative of where we wind up, right? So right. who would have ever thought? And uh, I didn't think it would happen. But when he did get elected, I said that I believe that Donald Trump is going to show us the cracks in our system. Yeah, I think you're right. For good and bad, and uh, I think we're seeing that. Um, and and uh, and here's the other thing, and uh, about that, and I want to make this really clear: is that I, as 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 Donald Trump becomes truly visible, as the the emperor as the emperor becomes more and more visible, visibly naked to more and more people in this country, I want those who might be listening to this who think that I'm on an opposite side or that I am celebrating, I am not. I am not, I am not. Uh, what we're going through right now is one of the saddest, uh, most tragic things that our country has ever experienced, in my personal opinion, since the Civil War. Because it is it is a divide that deep based in a, based in a thought process that is that... Uh, poisonous. Um, what this culture trend that you and I have been talking about for the last hour is as poisonous as the mindset of slavery, and almost as literally it is tearing our country apart. And it is not about Donald Trump, and it is not about republicanism or democratism. It is it is about this other thing, this this shallowness and this materialism and that and this need to win, this need to be a rock star, this need to think that that everything that we see on TV applies to us, and it doesn't. That's a, it's it's a it's a complete dreamland. Well, take a look at that as far as like meet and greets, right? Mm. Bands, you're paying $1,500 to get a picture for 10 seconds with somebody mm. and you don't really know that person. Mm -hmm. You didn't really have that experience with that person. Mm -hmm. it, it just goes to what you're saying. You Do you need to put your family in debt to have that 10 seconds? Well, I don't know. I mean uh... – <sighs> I don't necessarily make that direct equation. I understand what you're talking about. I'm sure. Okay, I'll go. Why not? Why not? Well, well, here's the thing. Today, I went to the bank. Uh -huh. Okay, and as I was sitting in the bank, it's a nice, small little town, and I'm sitting there and I'm watching this squirrel who's in the trees above my car dancing back and forth, and I'm like, I should get my camera out and film this. And I said, no, because by the time I do that, it'll be over. 
But it didn't. The squirrel just stayed there. And I kept thinking, my temptation was to keep grabbing the camera. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I don't need to document it to make it real. Yeah. It's as real as it needs to be because I'm enjoying this moment with this silly little squirrel doing his things, getting ready for fall. And so in that same respect, tying it to entertainment or whether it be this need to win, do you always have to have everything documented? Does everything have to be proven? Does everything have to be so super special? What happened to just having a nice day? A memory. Just a memory. Exactly. Sometimes right. the memories are better than the uh, souvenirs. Uh, this is sort of related, but I, I like this. I like this anecdote. Um, I didn't like the movie Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. I love the book. Same here. Love the book. And 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 Nez actually clarified it for me. He said it's like bar stories. You know, remember that time that we went out and you jumped off the roof and you broke your leg, ha, <laughs> you know, and you go and, 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 and so when you tear, tell it as a bar story, it's hilarious, right? Uh, but when you, when, when you actually put it up there in black and white, uh, or, uh, or in, in living color, it's not funny. It's not funny. Um, and to, so to see Depp's portrayal of, of, uh, Raul Duke's dis- descent into craziness in mm-hmm. in that story um it's uh it's not funny but the book is hilarious yes and for Hunter Thompson to tell it in the book as a memory as an anecdote as a story you can't help but laugh but to see it like that's not Save the memory, and, and I think that's what I'm what I'm speaking to is 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 your your inclination of just that's mine that my my relationship with this squirrel right now is mine. <laughs> I'll tell you about it later, but that's you know, and your telling of it rather than here look at this makes me appreciate your appreciation of it. You know what I mean? Well, well thank you, but uh, I totally dig where you're coming from as far as the need to be right the need to be winning, the need to be right even when you're wrong. Uh, we really don't want to face that ugly side of us. Right. And, and, you know, I'm really grateful because in those, in that path of recovery, whether it be through 12 steps or just be through the lots of self-realization and hard work, you know, there's also therapy that was involved in all of that as well. There was a phrase that kept coming up. It's, it was, uh, my answers don't work. Everything that I do or that I did led to me being a drug addict, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And uh, and so that my answers don't work. And so now I have allowed myself to be wrong. You know what I mean? Um, and the other side of that is though is that I, in order if if it's if it's a topic that I care about, I do the research. I actually go out and I find out what's going on and I get it corroborated scientifically. And so when I can, when I step up and I say something, uh, for instance, for example, politically, it's not just, you know, smoke blowing out of my butt. It's, it's, it's actual, it's actual things that I've researched and I go, Hey, I found this out over here guys. And I think you guys should take a look at it. And that's where that's at. And I feel like our inability to seek the truth, our our readiness 
to call something a lie just because it's contrary to, I mean, look at the term fake news. It's just, if, if somebody call, you know, says something that doesn't jive with your own personal beliefs, rather than saying, really? Well, let me check that out and see if it actually blows up your beliefs or, or is like not true. They just denounce it as not true. That's not thinking that's not that's not really caring about the topic that we're talking about it's only i have to win mm -hmm. absolutely and now off of his album the other side it's christian nesmith with his version of the john lennon classic give me some truth <laughs>
I thought we were going to talk about guitars, man. We we are. We will. <laughs> we will. That's part two. It'll be another okay. time. Uh, okay. You know, I just want to tell people, you love this country. I do. I know that you know that I love this country. Mm-hmm. We, we both love this country, and, and we both care about things, and we want the best for our nation. And what I hate right now is we're seeing people called... Anybody that dare question is not a patriot, and I disagree. You you use the word exactly that. It has been a very sneaky tactic, unfortunately adopted by the people with an R in front of their name, to appropriate two things, patriotism and Christianity. And it's a very effective – actually, it's, it's, you know, it's right out of Hitler's playbook. Uh, it's like, okay – I'm a patriot, and if you don't think like me, you're not. Okay, I'm a Christian, and these are all the values that go along with that, and if you don't think that, you're immoral, right? And that's really at how you, you know, first of all, you look at somebody who says something like that to you in utter disbelief. It was like, how could you even say something to, to me like that? And secondly, to even begin to argue back at that, only gives that lunacy argument power. And so it's really, really uh, sneaky for to take that, that stance. But that's exactly what happened in Germany in 33 and just before. You know, that's, a, that's what, what was being sold. Uh, and so nobody has a, has a, a, has a corner on a, patriotism and what's here's what's really nuts if we want to talk about it i i I don't remember his name but it was the uh it was the uh the soldier the uh uh, the man who just testified uh who said yeah i heard i was in it i listened to the call and i went right to the uh to my uh superiors and said this ain't right and the only argument that was forced back on this guy is to denounce his patriotism and he's like he's worked under four administrations. He's been been a lifelong career servant of this country, and that's all that they could come up with was well, he's just not a patriot. He's he's undermining. He's 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 deep state. He's all of this nonsense, um, and that's what we're left with. Uh, and it starts to really scare me that that yeah, I don't scare me. Um, it is concerning that this is this. This is the tactic taken by those who just want to win. That's all they want to do. Um, and uh, I, would, I, I think that any elected official who, who stands in alignment uh, with this current administration is only looking out for their own job. Uh, they're not – they don't even – they don't even want – you know, believe like that Trump is like the the super dude. They don't care about Trump. They just know that Trump carries a certain uh, amount of uh, population with him that will vote for him regardless. And those other politicians need that percentage. They need that demographic in order to get reelected. So they're not caring about Trump. They're caring about their own jobs and they're doing it to the detriment of decency and honesty and real patriotism and and their sworn oath to the constitution i agree with you it's it's weird as somebody who has traditionally been a conservative voter uh i was shocked when trump 
got nominated by the party, right? Yeah. It, yeah. it just blew my mind because you have to wonder, like you, you take a look at guys like uh, Jeff Flake. Sure. And you take a look at even guys like Paul Ryan, who said, I'm tapping out, I'm out of here. Yeah. And those guys realize that, A, they're not going to be able to do anything where they're at. But whether they're looking for their future career, because at some point, everybody that is in this bubble with our president is going to say, oh, I didn't know that guy. At some point, they're going to they're going to distance themselves when the fall happens. Oh, yeah, that is definitely coming. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's just an interesting situation that we are in. What's more important is is the healing of the divide that we have among our own population. We put this guy there. It's not Trump's doing. Trump is right. I mean, Trump is a scumbag, and he he's dishonest, and all the adjectives that you can list about him, and it has nothing to do with whether he's a Republican. But because he's a Republican, Republican voters have decided to side with him and cause this rift. And this is why I wanted to say what I said earlier about uh, I never got to the the second half uh, of what it was is that I understand the notion of small government, low taxes, big military. I get that. Right. I and. And and that's not how I I personally want my tax dollars spent. I'd rather pay pay some more taxes and make sure that everybody in this country is educated and has health care. Mm -hmm. That's my person. Okay, that's not. But I understand why one wouldn't. Okay, I get it. I and and so you want a certain amount of money for the military, and I want a certain amount of money for health care. Let's just talk it out without having the the agenda of winning. Let's just figure out what's the best way to go. But sadly, if 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 you if you find compromise, you found weakness. That's the problem, right? That's, it's it's, it's, it's kind it. of like trying to go to Congress with a with the Klingons. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's I, I agree. Work. Compromise has become a, a, a term of weakness. Kindness has been a has term been, of, yeah. of weakness. Uh gentility yeah. Uh, you know, it's easier to go, you know, stick two fingers up in the uh, two middle fingers up in the air and 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 think that, hey, because I'm, you know, I'm defiant, I'm cool, which makes me good is nuts. It's not. That's what I don't get is, you know, too many people who who blindly support this president don't think like him and don't get and don't realize that they don't. Too many people would never stick two middle fingers up in the air just to do it. They would find that abhorrent. But because they need to feel like they belong to a club that wins, they're willing to forego their own sanity and put two and two together that that doesn't line up with with that that his behavior and their behavior doesn't line up with – that person's own behavior. And in fairness, I think that that's on both parties on some point, because we really have reached, it's the Super Bowl. It's wearing the uniform on Sunday. It's, it's, it's not about right and wrong. Yep. Sports, sports team mentality, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not about right or wrong. It's about my side winning. And, uh, it's sad. I get my mailbox full, uh, my email box full of, uh, of uh, and Citizen United 
and I agree that we should end, end Citizens United. But the, but their uh, but their taglines, their 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 subject lines uh, in my email are so aggressive and so so nasty. Uh, that's the other thing uh, is uh, that I wanted I wanted to get around to was uh, is this notion of gloating, this notion of taking a victory lap is so anathema to me. Um, the fact that Trump would say he died like a dog is bananas. Do you not get how, first of all, how absolutely stupid that is from a political and diplomatic standpoint? Do you realize that you just you know, garnered the ire of people who will kill and die just because they will? There it is. You know, you won't, Mr. Trump. You're not as loony as those guys, those ISIS guys. They'll go out there and blow themselves up just to take you out. And you want to get them mad at you? Dumbass. <laughs> you know? Um, and so this this thing about a, a gloating, strutting victory lap is so wrong to me. Um, and I see it coming from my own from my own, uh, yeah, let's just, just, just real quick. Cause I got to do it. I'm going to open my, open my email and I'm going to go in here and go to my business section. And, and the first thing that I see, let me see, goodbye, Christian. And, uh, and, uh, blindsided Donald Trump and, uh, and all he's stunned and terrified. And these are all headlines from these, from these political, uh, emails, hunting down money from me and it's all just this uh, reactionary um what's the word i'm looking for um uh it's wolf blitzer uh he's sensationalist <laughs> sensationalist pablum and we've got to stop it we have got to stop it because we don't do that when we're standing in the same room with each other well, for example, if someone were to tag you and I in this, they might say, Chris, listen to Christian Nesmith destroy Ken Mills. You know, no, we had a conversation. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, I, I mean, you and I, and, and I, want, I want the notion of gentility to be our, our credo. Not, it's not toughness. This guy who dra who paints his entire Ford truck with an American flag on it and who thinks that he's a patriot, that's not patriotism. What I mean, the very thing that this country was built on is all these people who had nowhere to go, right? You know, mm -hmm. people from England and France and Spain and Italy and all these people came here and Ireland and they came here because they knew that it was the one place in the world that they could think like they think and the guy next door wouldn't stop them from doing it and the guy at the top of the food chain wouldn't tax them for it, right? Yep. That's why we're here. And so uh, it makes me nuts. All I want, I'm, I'm passionate about it, but what I'm really crying for is to drop this divide and to ask people who have an R in front of their name to not back the people who don't care about the R, the Republican. They're not about the Republican. They're just about division. And that's what Donald Trump is. Let him go. He's a, he's a liar. He's a crook. He's, a, he's all these adjectives that you can apply to him. And if you just let him go and say, my neighbor is more important to me than 
that icon that that says winning. My neighbor is more important to me. The guy who who shows up for me, the guy who I'm going to go out and I see, uh, I, I see, I pass at the front door every day. That guy is more important to me. Should be at least. Well, I'm hoping it can be. I think it is. Like I said, I, when we get in a room with each other, nobody behaves like that. It's the behind the an anonymity of social media. It's like flipping somebody off in your car, you know, because you have that Im- anonymity. You feel like you can. And who really does that? If we were actually standing in the same room or on the street together, you'd never do that to me. I would never do that to you. But we wind up doing it to each other in the protection of this anonymity, which is given rise to this ugliness in us that we've got to stop. We've got to stop it. If you disagree with me about the way our tax dollars should be spent, fine, let's Let's talk about it. Fine, let's vote on it. And if more people think like you than me, great. Then I'll then we'll work it out. And if it doesn't work, then we'll all have learned that lesson and we'll vote differently next time. That's worth it to me. But to just win for the sake of winning because you're so freaked out that I have a different opinion than you, then that's a non-starter. That's a that that is that is a that's a country killer is what that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. Well, you mentioned earlier that uh, we're we're kind of like in a civil war. It's a it's a virtual civil war. It really is. It really is a virtual civil war. It's really sad. But uh, I'm hoping. I I I have hopes. I have hopes that we're going to get out of this and we're all going to come together. I really do have hopes. Oh, we will. Don't don't this. First of all, we have term limits. Unless unless I just. I mean, I I couldn't imagine him getting voted in the first place, but there is no way that he's going to be able to coup his way into a second, third or an ongoing administration. No chance. So this will end. This chapter will come to an end and we're going to and we'll be able to look back on it in one way or another. But that's the thing that I'm hoping for is that that, you know, nobody wants to admit they made a bad choice. Well, that would be being wrong, and we can't be wrong. Can't be wrong. Can't be wrong. Boy, I screwed that one up, didn't I? Yeah, it's okay, man, but you're still my neighbor, and I still love you. But you did it spectacularly. (laughs) You went out with a bang. Come on. (laughs) Well, Christian, this has been an interesting episode. Didn't go anywhere the way I thought it would. There you go. But it's okay. We're going to come back and do it again. Sure. Absolutely. You'll come back. Absolutely. You glutton for punishment, you... No, no, I'm into it. I'll talk about this stuff all day long. Well, tell folks where they can find you on the socials. Well, it's just my my Facebook is the one that I do the most. I am tweeting a little bit, which which is uh, God, what is it? Uh, C D Nesmith Music, uh, and uh, and okay, here's a here's a little bit of announcement. Just so you know, it's not nothing is the the end goals are not set in stone. But uh, what I am working on right now is actually happening, and that is that I am mixing a Mike and Mickey live record, um, and that is actually happening, and it is from from uh, taken from a few shows that we did over the last year, year and a half, and uh, and it is coming out amazing, and we're shooting for an April release, um, and we're hoping to put uh, a whole slew of shows around that. And so that's what's going on. So you can look forward to that. And if you enjoyed Live at the Troubadour, you got the same guy mixing that that's going to be mixing uh, this 
Mike and Mickey record. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah. That's right. So you can check out the Monkees on their 2020 tour, and it is called An Evening with the Monkees. It kicks off April 3rd in Vancouver and wraps up April 26th in Nashville. Head on over to Ticketmaster or wherever you get your concert tickets nowadays. And, of course, there's a new CD coming out called The Mike and Mickey Show Live. So, great news. We'll have to have you on over at Zilch to talk about that. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for coming by Pop today. And this is this is my Ken work. My pers- you know, you've heard of network. This is my Ken work where yeah. I can talk about anything I want. And yeah. today I wanted to talk to you. And I, we will come back. We will talk about guitars. Yeah. Our early love affair of Kiss. Yeah. And uh, we'll just dive into pop culture, politics, whatever we want to talk about. Sure. It's, uh, this, that's what this show is for. Ken, it's been so much fun sitting here talking to you. We, I, I can't believe the two hours just poof. Went <laughs> so, Well, let's do it again. Absolutely. At your leisure. And I just want to say you are a very blessed and lucky man. Because you're married to someone who says she is a very blessed and lucky woman. Yeah. Congratulations to both you and Cersei. Thank you. It was a 17-second ceremony, and and it took us 17 years to get there. So there you go. There you go. (laughs) All right. But I I love you both. And people ask me, well, what were they like in real life? And I said, they're the real deal. They're everything that, that you know about them online people didn't ask you that they did. yes they did they did they <laughs> I, absolutely did oh well well we love them uh, uh, uh you know it's a it must be said that we do not take the this for granted the fact that we get to get up there and play and sing and give that gift to you and yours is so precious to us and 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 the fact that you guys dig it and stand by us and support us and send us cards and gifts and and love and all of that and it's like you can't even know how much we appreciate it we are truly blessed because of it well i love you both and i'm gonna finish this episode with one of my favorite cersei link songs we talked about our various cracks throughout our lives mm. and the song is called broken there you go. And uh, the good thing about being broken is that, A, you're a bro of Ken. <laughs> Catch that? Catch that, huh? Nice. But you can't get fixed until you get broken. So, so true. We're just looking for all the fixes in life, and we hope that you all are on a better road to a better you. So, Thanks so much, Ken. Christian, thank you for being on the show. And to close this episode, it's Cersei Link and Christian Nesmith with one of my favorite songs, Broken. Bye. See you on the next episode of Pop. Bye. A one, a two, a one, two, three. The world is unkind to barefoot fools. And although I know I keep breaking my toes anyway. Some
And that's our show. Pop is an online, nonprofit pop culture audio fanzine made for fans by fans. Any samples of music, TV, or movies heard here remain the property of their owners. Pop, a pop culture podcast, is not affiliated with any products we review or discuss. Opinions heard here belong to the people who express them and may not reflect the views of the pop staff. If you like something that you heard, buy it at your local record, video, or bookstores, or wherever pop is found. If you enjoy the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm your announcer, Christine Wolf, saying whatever you do, make sure it pops. Say goodnight, Dick.